you for listening to this message from the North Gate. This is prophetic ignition. It's to launch you deeper in the prophetic, okay? So right now we're just going to lay a foundation. But if you can't get on the grooming just because it's fun. I mean, last year we let it go, well, like six, eight months over because people were just, you know, praying for each other and different stuff. So it got really cool. So, and that is free. All right. So Kevin, pop up 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read some scriptures you probably all heard a thousand times, but I, I think it's real important. I want to cover this because there's one particular aspect I want to really hit on that isn't talked about very much. I know Chris Vallotton teaches this, but I really want to hit. Okay, there we go. All right. So I'm going to read through this and then Paul's going to list spiritual gifts out, okay, in order. There's nine of them he lists. He goes back and lists a different set. And if you go to the book of Romans, he lists a different set. And so people say, these are the nine spiritual gifts. There's more than nine spiritual gifts. And I'm convinced by reading scripture, because Paul has a different list every time he talks about spiritual gifts, that he's not saying, he's not making a point in a scholastic list of saying, these are the 10 steps to being a problem. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's just saying, for example, there's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, there's the gift of mercy, there's the gift of finances, there's the gift of prophecy. Let each one prophesy according to the faith. I think he's just giving examples as he is a great orator that he is. Does that make sense? So these are not, I, some people in my past have said, there's only nine gifts, brother. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, I have a hard time with that, but whatever. But as far as this goes, we're going to focus on these nine. Okay, but there are more. So let's read this together. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Step number one, teaching on prophecy is 100% biblical. That should tell you right there, right? Okay, if that's not good enough for you, I don't, no one in this class will have that problem. There is something called the school prophets and the old school translations in the Old Testament underneath the prophet Elijah, right? Okay, you know that when you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the... We'll go ahead and skip through that. It's not where we're going. Here we go. There are diversities of gifts. Someone say diversities. What does that mean? All different kinds, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of differences of ministries. Now stop here. What, is, what does the word ministry mean? You're taught this here. It means service. It could also be related to administration. You know, in other countries, they're like, this is a finance minister. So it's not American church ministry. Ministry means administrator or to serve, okay? So if you have the gift of healing, you're serving by praying for healing. When you're prophesying, you're literally serving. So ministry, according to the Bible, isn't this. Although this qualifies as this, but this is only one piece of it. And this is where the, the, the mix-up comes because for generations, they're like, you're called to the ministry. They meant the five-fold ministry and the platform, but that's not what we're, we're equipping the saints for. Does that make sense? Okay. There are different diversities of activities, but the same God. So he says three things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause right here, then we're going to get back to the gifts. So if you're following along in the manual, it's 1.2, section 1.2 we're in. He mentions gifts service or ministry or activities. Okay, this is where people get confused and they try to box people in. You can have the gift of prophecy, 
But does that necessarily make you a prophet? No. You could serve. Being a prophet is a function that you serve the body of Christ with. But you could be a prophetic business owner. You could have the gift of prophecy and be a doctor. You can be an attorney. There's any. There's nothing limited. You could be a... a Katie Lynn has a gift of prophecy, and she's a school teacher. Okay? She's fluent in the prophetic. So she... The, the the service, the ministry, the ministration that you're granted to you may not have anything to do with the actual gift that you have. So we think you have the gift of prophecy, you got to be a prophet. No, not necessarily. You may not serve as a prophet. You may serve as anything. Does that make sense? Within that, there are different activities. Anna, let me give you three examples. Elijah was a prophet, did miracles, signs, and wonders, talked to kings and rulers, yes? John the Baptist was called to confront the religious leaders, right? What happened when he confronted the king? Uh-oh, kind of left his assignment, maybe, maybe, I don't know. No record of him prophesying, personal prophecies. He just declared and identified Jesus. And Jesus said he's what? One of the greatest prophets ever exists, completely different than Elijah. But he actually came in the spirit of Elijah. Why? They had different activities, Elijah's responsibility was to speak to kings. John the Baptist was to confront the religious folks and then identify Jesus. Anna, completely different prophet. They call her a prophetess, which is the same Greek word, prophetess. Okay? Guess what Anna did? Did she confront world leaders? Did she confront the religious community? What did she do? She ministered unto the Lord, which is the greatest calling. So Anna was listed as the only female New Testament prophet. So there goes the whole females can't be ministers. Uh-oh, you might have a problem. You're not allowed. To, I know there's a whole section of people with the strange fire conference say they let women minister. I got a problem with that because clear in scripture, there was a five-fold minister named a prophetess named Anna. And, it's, and I'm pretty sure God's pleased with her. Amen? So... Same office, different activities. They probably were all prophetic gifted, same gift. All had the same office, different activities. This has been my biggest frustration as a prophet. Because I see the Mark McGuire of prophets in my generation, which is Bob Jones. And if I don't have encounters like his every second of the day, I'm not good enough. I don't add enough. You know what I mean? If I can't prophesy end times on a dime, okay. This this was an identity struggle. But I've equipped the saints since I've been saved in the prophetic. I've had dreams about Russia and Iran and China and different things that I don't talk about because I don't have the platform where it's relevant to release that. I just talk about it privately. Does that make sense? So um, you can have different assignments. Same gifting. So don't connect the spiritual gift necessarily to the activity. Gotcha? Amen? Tracking? All right. Let's go. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for what? The profit of all. Okay? This is a big deal. Everything is about love. So much so after he teaches about the gifts, the next chapter goes, hey, there's a better way. Let's talk about love. I don't care what your gift is. If you don't love, you don't have anything. Yeah, then he goes back and talks about spiritual gifts again in chapter 14. So each spiritual gift is just a different musical instrument to 
to express love. And some, there's going to be octave sounds, right? And I don't even know the names because Armin's going to laugh because I'm going to screw it up. So I'm not even going to do that. There's different tones and sound. A flute sounds a lot different than a tuba, right? And so there's different sounds, but they're just various alternative like expressions of love. If I have a sick person, okay, what's the greatest expression of love for them in that moment? Healing. If someone's discouraged or depressed, what's the greatest encouragement or prophecy, right? So these are, these are all just expressions of love and they benefit all of us and they're designed to make us whole. When we come together, Joe Channel has a gift of healing in his life. I've seen it manifest on street ministry multiple times, right? He's not a platform minister, but he has a genuine gift of healing. So when, when pastors like pray for them, I see Joe, I grab his hand, put it on my back. Because <laughs> I know that's part of discerning the body. Honoring, that's part of honor. Honoring the gifts, recognize what you need. Amen. Okay, let's blow through this because I want to get to some other stuff. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit. We're just going to blow through this real quick, Kevin. To another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, uh, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one of the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So here's the kicker. Every one of you could prophesy and every one of you will prophesy tonight. You want to know why? Because you all have the Holy Spirit. You can operate in any gift at any given time according to his will, period. Okay. If you have a gift that's dedicated to you, that you know that God's given me this, you'll see the tendency, it'll be easier for you to prophesy, right? Like Nika clearly has a gift of prophecy. It's not hard for her to prophesy, okay? That's, other people may struggle a little bit. Maybe they get something now and again. That's because they have the Holy Spirit. They have, they have unlimited access to revelation. But someone with an extra grace to prophesy will be more fluent in it, okay? Does that make sense? And usually when they'll pray, like I hear the Lord saying, or this, that, and they'll kind of fluently and effectively be consistent in that gift. Okay, I'm going to cover a couple of these gifts just real quick. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time because um, I think some of these are misunderstood. There are multiple kinds of words of knowledge, okay? In the charismatic prophetic movement, the only one we talk about, and I'm not going to go in detail about this because we've heard it taught, and also we're going to cover that when we go over healing. We're going to talk about healing through the word of knowledge. Why I like the prophetic so much, or the, it, what we call the prophetic, even if it's not completely biblically accurate, it's the revelation gifts that kind of flow into everything else. Does that make sense? If you're spirit-led, it's a centerpiece gift because it helps you. Tongues, in my opinion, and prophecy are centerpiece gifts because they build you up and they kind of flow with everything else. A word of knowledge could be a teaching gift like Elder Mike Benici has. You just know stuff, you read it, and you see scripture different. You can unpack it different. It could also mean, and this is how it usually manifests with healing or the prophetic ministry, you're praying for someone and you see their heart jump out to you. Or you're praying for someone and your leg starts hurting and you never have leg issues. That could be a word of knowledge. Why is it knowledge? It's the spirit unveiling that they have an issue in that area of their body. Okay? That's how it's typically taught, but it can be the teacher gift too. Does that make sense? The word of wisdom is similar. The word of wisdom, Jesus says to the um, lepers, the 10 lepers, 
go show yourself to the priest as they went. Some people just chalked that up as obedience, but that was actually a word of wisdom, okay? Word of wisdom will often manifest. How many have ever been through counseling through pastor? I've sat in some of those, and it's amazing how he's just talking, doing his thing, and all of a sudden you could feel the atmosphere shift, and he says something so brilliant, you're like, who are you? That was a word of wisdom. Because they're like, oh, yeah, no, I understand. Then I'll be like, you know what's going to happen is you're going to do this and this day and three days from now, whatever, you know what I mean? And you're like, huh? And then it comes to pass and you're like, what was that? It was the word of wisdom that comes with counseling. That, that makes him a very effective counselor. Does that make sense? Okay, so I wanted to cover that because those are kind of used in different ways out there. Um, we're not going to talk about faith, healing. We'll talk about that later, miracles, all that stuff. Um, we're going to talk about prophecy, obviously. But I want to get down to the uh, discerning of spirits. I just, I want to touch this because we have a lot of people that are hypersensitive. I, I mentioned Nika before she was here and Katie Lynn. I've had to walk through for several years on this because, and I do it myself, which is weird because I'm not very compassionate by nature person. You could ask my wife. I can care less about anything half the time. Um, I've grown a lot in love though. But I'm just saying, I'm if you if I do the spiritual gift test, empathy is like bottom, mercy is bottom. It's like 10, 13% when all the healing, all that stuff is like 80, 90%. So, okay. I'm growing in love and compassion. You, you guys could testify to this. You've known me for like several years now. But discernment works in mysterious ways. I was taught that's either God or the devil, brother. That's all discernment is. I'm like, really? They explain to me why I'm in a church service and I haven't cussed in years and I'm here in the people cuss the pastor out when he says something I agree with. Now, if I didn't agree with it, and I'm mad, that makes sense if I talk like that. But if I'm sitting, we used to do this at the gym all the time. Why? Because we did deliverance ministry. So I'm sitting there and I'm seeing the middle finger and I'm going, I'm hearing, F you, and I'm like, holy crap, what the heck was that? Shut up. It took me a long time, and I know, I know doctrinally this discernment can work like that. Why? It says because people have a problem with this, I'm telling you. It says Jesus did what? Discerned their thoughts. It's in the book, man, okay? And I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you all the stories because I don't want to spend a lot of time, but um, there's a lot of times over the years where I would just start feeling like frustrated and angry, and I have no, and I would, I finally figure it out. Thank you, Jesus. Because I'm like, I'm going to my wife. I'm getting mouthy to her. And she's like, you have an attitude. I'm like, I do. And I don't freaking care. And she's like, what? I'm like, what are you mad about? I'm like, I'm not mad at anything. This is not true. She's like, I'm like, I don't know why. I've been having a great day. I'm freaking mad as hell. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, duh. Maybe I'm discerning something. It's different if, like, I stole my toe or something. And almost every single time that happens for no reason, I'm not saying for the time I'm really mad because I'm fleshly. I'm, t- I'm talking, there's no reason to be mad. It's someone, someone close to me is dealing with serious, like, offense or betrayal or frustration. So over the years, I would text Nika, hey, uh, you get anything? Because I don't want to suggest anything to her. Oh my God, I can't believe you asked. I'm dealing with this. I'm so mad. I don't know why I'm so mad. And I'm like, uh, I told Dakota to pray for me. He just told me to relax. And I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I'm like, 
And I'm like, oh my God, there's like three or four of us probably dealing with this. And we take on, we are taking on the burdens of loved ones around us. And, and that's why it's good to reach out. If you're frustrated, reach out. Cause someone, you know, please don't put us through hell because you're not, you know, being part of the community and telling us, pray for me. It would leave, relieve a lot of pressure, wouldn't it? So it takes a lot of maturity. Trust me, I still suck at this. To, to be able to figure out I'm discerning something or just me being having a bad day. Would you agree with that? And I'm talking to Nika because she's done this for her and I have talked about this where, you know, it's happened for years. You got to figure this out. The hard part about discernment is if you have sin. If you deal with perversion issues, when perversion walks in front of you, you're not going to know. Either that or you're going to blame everyone else for being perverted. There's people that my wife and I have talked about that we are not attracted to. And this is where it takes really, this is why I don't like to teach this stuff. It, it's like, babe, I walked past so-and-so and I felt sexually attracted to that person and I am not attracted to that person. It takes a lot for her to be able to say that. And some people say, you need to deal with your perversion. Trust me. Some of the, some of the guys she felt that with, no. And, and out of respect, I'm not going to honestly say who it is. You know, where it's obvious to me, I know you're not checking that dude out, so... You know, if they were good looking, I'd be like, hey, hey, what do you, you better do with your perversion. I'm calling pastor right now. And you know, when stuff like that has happened, sexual sin has gotten exposed. So it's been trial and error that we learned is, oh my gosh, remember when I kept, yeah. So now it's like, listen, this is something I'm discerning because there's no, now if you're attracted to someone, you're all like, hey, you know, you ain't gonna, come on. That's, it's tricky about discernment. You, you, Whatever's not pure in your life, you will, it will cloud your discernment, okay? Why am I saying this? I'm saying this not to get you freaked out and try to discern everyone's junk because it's all about love and reconciliation. You, if you discern and you, you finally figure it out, first off, I teach and pastor teaches, always check yourself. If you think you got some kind of thing, someone's doing wrong, always check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> right? Seriously. Because you'll start, to, I know people that had bad dreams about everybody, but couldn't discern their own sin. And they're like, God told me that wasn't him, that wasn't him. I'm like, okay, but he can't tell you that you're sleeping with a guy you're not married to. He's not, he didn't tell you that was wrong. Okay. Am I wrong? That's not even this church. So don't even look around and say, it's you, who was it? Okay. So that stuff happens, Right. So that's why I don't listen to anyone's discernment unless I know them. But I'm teaching this because as we get more prophetic, some of you are going to pick up feeling. I don't want you to think you're depressed. You could be just interceding on someone's behalf and not even realize what you're doing. Remember Paul said the, the groanings that can't be uttered, he speaks, he prays through us. Sometimes that comes in emotions. And it takes a lot of maturity not to act down on it. It took me a lot of times like, oh, you're being a jerk. I know. Why? I don't know. Crap. I did it again. This is discernment. And then two weeks later, we find out X, Y, Z happened. Oh, that was two weeks ago. Yeah, that's when it started. So take it. Pray through it. You can't break it through prayer. Submit it to someone. Cover me. Even at times where she knows it's not her, sometimes she'll say, hey, I'm dealing with this. Can you cover this? Because it's, it's burdens getting hard. And I just like, you know who you are. You don't have to carry it. Throw it at his feet. And sometimes that's enough to get rid of it, isn't it? Okay. Enough about discernment. 
If you have any questions, we could talk later. Okay. So, what is the purpose of prophecy? What's the generic answer everyone's going to say? Yes. And it 100% is. To edify, to exhort, to comfort, right? Depending on what translation. To encourage, 100% to build people up. Does that sound like Elijah calling fire down on the prophets of Baal? Which part is edification or comfort? I don't know what that is. Do you see? The, I'm going to keep bringing this up because if you go on Facebook and read some stuff about some prophet, some legit prophets, you're going to hear this stuff. Literally, I, I just, I love these prophets, but everything's warfare. Everything. God's calling us to a season of, what has it not been a season of war? No dishonor, but I'm like, my God, is there like a spring break or something? So like, you got two weeks? Can I go to the corner to round three and get some water? What the heck, dude? And listen, and I'm not saying God's not speaking that to him. I'm just saying I'm in a, I live in a different world, thank God, because of our apostle. Amen. Okay, so it's to exhort, edify, comfort. It's also for identification. This is what people miss about John the Baptist's ministry. It wasn't just to prepare the way of the Jesus. He wasn't just a voice crying out. And what's crazy is he didn't identify as a prophet, but he functioned as one. They asked him, are you a prophet? He goes, no. Who are you? I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. How cool is that? I'm the prophet to the nations. He never said it. He's like, no, I'm not. No, 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 this ain't Raymond. Old movie from the 90s. Okay. But what was his, what was his assignment that no one ever talks about? After the baptism of Jesus, he declares, behold, the Lamb of God. This, this is the one the Father told me I was to unveil to Israel. One of the things that people miss every time, I've never heard anyone teach that. One of his biggest assignments, not just to prepare away in baptism with water, that's all true, was to, when Jesus came, identify he's the Messiah you're waiting for. And his greatest task is he actually questioned later. Are you the one? We have to look for another. But that's a whole other message. Okay? When they're looking for a new king, the prophet Samuel comes looking to Jesse's boys Right? To identify a king and to anoint him. Nope, none of these are it. Well, I do have one more. Got a little redhead stepchild, literally. Running in the field. Okay, bring him here. Often the job of prophecy is to identify. Does that make sense? To send. Jeremiah 11, or 1, 11 through 19. Foretelling. This is what everyone thinks prophecy is. It is. It's only a small piece. Okay. One of the coolest things I think that I sent, I've talked about it before, but I sent it to the group me, was when you study the Greek word for prophet, it actually means one who interprets the divine will or the mind of God, who speaks the mind of God in the situations. Did you read that? That's straight out of the concordance. I never was taught that. So literally, interpretation of what God is doing in a season or a particular time frame is literally part of the role of a prophet. Not just predicting the future. This is what God's doing to this now. This is what we're going through here. Right? Not just what, what's about to happen. Okay? That, there is a portion of that, but it's not all of it. And the last thing is for, forth telling. How many of you know what forth telling is? 
foretelling is saying this, I'm going to tell you beforehand what's going to happen. Foretelling is I'm calling it out of you. I'm calling it. Those things are not as though they are. I'm calling it into an existence. I'm calling it forth. If Jen's in the bathroom and I say, hey, she says, yes. I said, come give me a drink of water. I'm calling her forth. That's foretelling. Come make me a sandwich. If she makes me a sandwich, that's foretelling. If not, I'm calling her forth to make me a sandwich. If she doesn't do it, I'm a false prophet and I get stoned. Amen. <laughs> Look, she's red in the face. I don't think you've ever made me a sandwich like that. So I'm going to try tonight. I'm going to try tonight. All right. Who can prophesy? First Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all prophesy one by one. And here's why. That all may learn and all may be encouraged. Who can prophesy? Just the prophet to the nations? The city and house prophet? No one's allowed to. There's churches like that. You can't prophesy. You're not the prophet. Well, okay. What about Joel 2.28? And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall what? Prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love, but desire the spiritual gifts. Okay? So you don't curse the gifts. You don't dishonor the gifts. You pursue love in priority, but you desire the gifts. You don't chase the gifts. You desire them. You chase love. You pursue. That means chase. You chase after love because that's the most important, but you desire gifts. So people that teach, you know, they got these memes going around. Oh, prophetic training is a thousand people and character training is like one guy. I'm like, I argue with those people all the time. I'm like, no, that's stupid because every Sunday is character training. Every Wednesday night's character training in most churches. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is complete, you know what I mean? Anyways, um, but you may all prophesy. That means you. That means you. It means you, Rylan. You prophesy all the time. So I'm, she's like, tell me something I don't know. Amen. All right, so let's talk about levels of prophecy that we talked about in the group meeting. Okay. The first level that some people define it, I don't like the language per se, but the first level is simple prophecy. Who can operate in simple prophecy? Everybody. If you got the Holy Ghost, you can hear God at any time because he, why? My sheep know my voice, right? He speaks all the time. So like they just have to lean in, hear his voice. So sometimes that voice is going to be loud and have an assignment, okay? And you're going to be able to prophesy, okay? Um. The gift of prophecy. Again, this is consistent, effective flowing in prophetic ministry or in, in the prophetic. I believe Nika has a genuine gift of prophecy. Okay. Um, Jeremy Kales clearly has a, a genuine gift of prophecy and he's actually a prophet. Okay. Maybe not seated is like publicly seated yet, but functionally he has that, that thing. Okay. So what differentiates these from an office of prophet? What are some things do you think the office of prophet does? Besides predicting world events and Y2K, that never... Anyways, check my next edition of the book, right? Take that part out of it and add the next big thing. Equipping, Ephesians 4. God has given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for what? For the equipping of the saints, for the working of ministry, with the working of service, not platform ministry. It can't include that, but it's not limited to that, right? 
But it doesn't stop there. The equipping of ministry until what? Till we come into unity of faith, to oneness, to the full stature of Christ. So it's to equip you for service, it's to mature you, and it's to bring you together in unity. Not many prophets out there do that. I don't hear many calling to unity in the body. It's unity as long as you do what I tell you. It's kind of the thing, which is not love. Okay? Someone snorted. Who was that? Oh, I thought someone, I thought it was Nika. I thought she laughed and snorted. I was going to call her out. Okay. The office of prophet is someone that's seated in a, in a, that operates in a functional authority. Okay. And has been granted authority over a particular people group, region, geography, whatever that is. Does that make sense? Okay. So different areas. There's all throughout the scriptures, like Anna in the temple didn't leave face to face, probably to me, the highest level prophet, Elijah, the all-star Mark McGuire, right? You know, the John Elway of like prophets, everyone talks about confronted Kings. And that's pretty cool too. I mean, I would do that if the Lord wanted me to, um, I'd probably hide in the cave like he did. I'd probably like pee a little too, when I was in the cave running from someone, but, um, that's another side note. So if we put that in a podcast, we could take that out. Note to self. All right. <laughs> But there's particular, you could be a house prophet, right? Kind of like a house cat. You just kind of hang around and do your thing. But a house prophet, what? Is assigned to equip and do different stuff over a particular local congregation. Does that make sense? Um, I believe there could be prophets in business. Okay? I believe Jordan Peterson, I wouldn't call him a prophet, but he's definitely a voice into the social realm of our nation. And you hear him, you're like, dang, that's freaking got to be a word of wisdom right there. Because these guys can't touch him. This whole, like, leftist stuff. Anyways, but I, you just see, okay, these are here, these are here. So the office has a degree of authority. We teach here, don't give corrective words unless you're in an office of authority. Why do we do that? Because immaturity could cause a lot of problems. I had a guy who had a great anointing on but he was just got some character issues. And everyone that didn't agree with what he said, he got down to the other person and said, they got the Jezebel spirit. Don't listen to anything they say. God's calling you away from them with me. Remember that guy? I won't name him. You don't know him anyways. But anyways, I'm like, oh, a little manipulation here, huh? <laughs> he could prophesy. He prophesied me about jobs. And it came to pass. But his character is way off, okay? So to be a, a prophet, we believe, you should be, okay, it's not man. God puts you in that function. You could operate out of that function, but but men will identify and, and re- God will reveal that to people, right? So you can function into that. And like I said, it all looks different, so we don't want to put that in a box. Okay, so I do want to go back to something I forgot that I wanted to do that it's not in the manual actually, but Chuck Pierce talked about this, and I think it's crucially important for us in the Northgate and for anyone really. Um, something I call multi-layered words, okay? And how the framework Chuck Pierce taught was, if you guys remember years ago, for those that are around, we had to read that apostolic company rising or whatever. I can't remember the name. And it kind of laid this out, and I thought it was brilliant. I need to include it tonight. It was on my mind. Is <clears throat> There's four different dynamics to p- prophetic words, and it doesn't mean everyone has this dynamic. But there's a personal word. 
There's a corporate word, which could be to this house or it could be to the body at large or the Western church, right? We see that in Revelations. There are particular people named. Jezebel is one of them, called out. And that's a personal word to her, okay? But it was also a corporate word to the church. But it was also a word to what? The geographical region. To the church in Smyrna, write this. To the church in Ephesus, write this. To the Laodicean, the church in Laodicea, it wasn't to the church of God denomination. It was like to the church in this city, write this. So it was a personal word to some people. It was a corporate congressional, congregational word to that body, that local church. But it was also a regional word. And not only that, it's a generational word. Why was it generational? Because it still speaks to us today through the scriptures. So personal, corporate, geographical, generational. Now, here's, here's what I want you to guys grasp. When someone's in the fivefold particularly, and they're especially when you look at our pastors, okay? And this goes for any church because there's people from other churches here. So like you're, you're the mom and pop of the house. Your pastors are seated authority in that region or city gets sent. They receive prophetic words. Now, the old churches I used to come from, people go, oh, they don't serve that. I want to wear like that. Knucklehead, if you weren't so dumb, now people don't do that here, but like, you know what I mean? If you weren't so dumb, you realize that is your word. Any word pastor gets is inheritance from the top down to us. Why? Because it's personal for them, but it's all, it could be also be a layer of corporate word, geographical and generational. Let's put, take Curtis Biltz. He buys land. Is that a personal word? Yes. Is it a corporate word? Why? There's fulfillment of words about ministry being done on farms, all this different stuff, right? So it's a corporate word. Where is it located? Then a 40-mile radius, which is prophesied, is our region. And it's also what? In Manaway. So is there a geographical impact that word has? What about generational? Yes. Because there's words he's going to get. The, the other family land, combine it, make it, pass it down to the kids. Four dynamics. Four dimensions of one prophetic word. You see this in scripture. We're all heirs to Abraham's word. Abraham gets a word years later. Jacob lays his head on a rock. You can go look it up. It's almost the same exact word Abraham got to Jacob. And you could go find it in Isaac if you want to really dig through the scriptures. Jacob just received this continuation of a generational word Abraham got. And we're still in that today. Why? Because it tells us in Galatians we're the heirs of Abraham. If you're in Christ. Amen. So when you hear someone in the room, and this has been frustrating for me because at the time when I was immature, because I would get words and I'm like, yes. And then someone else would be fulfilled through someone else. And I'd be like, I thought that was for me, Lord. I mean, I'm cool with them getting blessed. I mean, bless them, Lord. I mean, they're, you know, amazing. But uh, can I get that too? I mean, I thought it was for me. You told me it was for me. Without my maturity, immaturity realizing that it was me because it was someone part of our family. Does that make sense? Um, so you got to get all entitlement out of your heart. Part of the four corners Apostle Aaron talked about. Entitlement's been on my heart. If you think the world and the church owes you something, you're going to struggle and you're going to be frustrated for a long time. You got to get that out. You got to celebrate everything because everybody's word is your word. Amen? All right. Good stuff so far? 
I'm going to get in about stuff that we already know about how God speaks, and we're going to get in some activations. Oh, my goodness, I forgot to send this around. I'm going to send a sign-in sheet so I can know who to invite to the group, me, and all that stuff. Okay. If I don't have your phone number, you can connect with me afterwards. So I forgot to do that. So hurry up because we're here in about 10 minutes. We're going to be hitting that up. <laughs> Getting around. So sign and go. Sign and go. All right. So was that good stuff about the office of prophet and discernment and the gifts of ministries? Okay. The, the, I caused myself internal turmoil for years because I thought I had to look like Bob Jones. And I think there's a piece that God literally, and people have put that pressure on you too. You're the prophet. What's God telling you? I'm like, I don't freaking know. He didn't tell me anything, so I'm not going to act like I know. <laughs> and I put that pressure on other people. You got a word, prophesy. And they're like, uh, I don't do that anymore. You know, I realized, at first I realized I was, my first spiritual father tried to tell me, he's like, you're actually discerning what's coming in the room. You probably shouldn't call them out. And I was like, no, the Lord told me they got a word. So I had to tell them. Well, I would tell them, and they're like, uh-uh, they would come to them. So I think, thought I was causing it, you know. Well, I gave them the word, so they got the word. No, I was discerning what was coming to the room is the authority of that ministry at the time. Does that make sense? So don't judge yourself based on what you think prophets are supposed to be. Be a son or a daughter. Grow in beloved identity. When he tells you something, pray it through, pray it back, submit it to someone. If, if you think it's relevant, come to one of us, exhort like Trent did the other day, right? Incredible. So that, that's how we roll. Amen? All right, so let's do this before activations for some of the newer folks. How does God speak? It got quiet in here. How does God speak? Throw some stuff out there. I hear dreams. I don't like dreams. Let me talk about dreams for a minute. Can I talk about dreams? Y'all praying for dreams? I'll pray for you to have dreams. No, nah, I will. Uh, listen, no, nah, I shouldn't say that. Lord, forgive me. I don't want to, I'm not dishonoring dreams. I just, when I get them, they're usually bad, so I don't like having them. I tend to be a seer, tend to gravitate toward that, so I, I see in mental pictures the most is how I, how I connect stuff. Not all the time, but that's like my primary way of receiving revelation. But, um, Dreams could be crazy. We have a whole section on that, so I'm not going to get into you. They tend to be more symbolic and harder to figure out. Like, and there's a whole scripture for it. Moses, I speak to you face to face, but I speak to prophets and riddles and dreams and dark sayings, right? Kind of kind of layer up and have to figure it out. So dreams are very good, but that God does speak. But not every dream is from God. Some is your body. Some is your body saying you're stressing. Some of your sometimes your discernment gift is still awake when you're sleeping. And so I get it every year. I get demonic dreams at Halloween time. And, and I finally figured it out like the last couple of years. It's taken me my entire life to figure it out. Yeah, every time around Halloween, I get demonic dreams. I wonder why. <laughs> <coughs> Not like I'm getting attacked, but I just get nasty, weird, dark. And I'm like, man, I had a bad dream. Then after like three, I'm like, oh, it's Halloween. You know what I mean? Okay. Someone's probably out there doing something. Okay. So he can speak in dreams, visions, and more than visions, I want to focus on mental pictures. How many when you lay, you're praying for someone or you think you're praying in tongues at home, mental images just start to come to mind, okay? Thoughts. 
his voice. Usually internal, but it can be audible. I've had it internally so loud, I thought it was audible. It probably wasn't because no one else heard it. It could be a still small voice, right? He could speak through nature. He does it all the time in scripture. People that have a problem with this, consider the stars of the sky. So shall your descendants be. Consider the lily of the valley. Jesus spoke through nature all the time, okay? Physical objects, clothing, art, headline, headlines. We're going to do this later. Here in a little bit, we're going we're gonna to prophesy through objects. Amen. So uh, there's actually like Old Testament prophets that God commanded them to build like a model city and then destroy it. Why would he do that? I don't know. But that was, sounds pretty cool to me. I'd be like King Kong, like smash, you're all going to die. <laughs> that was fun. They would take a, a, a man or a cloak and they would cut it in 12 pieces. They would sh- shred it and talk about how the tribes would be divided. There's a lot of prophetic, and you know, that's part of prophetic acts too, but uh, physical objects, God spoke through a lot through prophets, okay? Physical sensation. I had it confirmed to me that when healing comes in my hand, and, and Jen and I first got married, she could testify to this. I think we were married at the time. If not, we were right just meeting at Morningstar. Um, I heard a guy say, I don't know who it was, one of the old-time temp guys, that his left hand got hot when healing came and both hands got hot when deliverance came. So I said, Lord, do the same thing to me. And I just, you know, really thought, you know what I mean? Just kind of, but my hands got hot all the time, never figured it out. So I thought it was, but then I'm like, am I just making it up because I prayed that? Well, I went to Morningstar, and there's a guy named Jason Hooper who was kind of like their youth pastor slash evangelist, kind of revivalist guy down there at the time in probably 2009 or 10. And he said, some of you, God speaks through heat in your hands. And he said, some of you who's saying when you feel your left hand pulsate and get hot, that's healing. And when both hands get hot, that's discernment. If God spoke that to you, raise your hand. And a handful of us out of 3,000 praised our hand up. He goes, you, come here. Calls me on their platform that says, all I remember is he called me a revivalist, which is kind of like prophetic language at the time. I don't, he said other stuff, but he, he literally just yelled, bam. And all I remember is going airborne and I heard revivalist and I woke up and there's like 10 other people on the stage. So he must've called other folks up. I woke up and I'm like, Whoa, what happened? He's like, looks like you got what I got. <laughs> I was like, we got <laughs> crawling off the stage in Morningstar down in Charlotte area. So, uh, so it's big, that, that's not a rule. That doesn't mean that's how it operates to you. That's confirmed publicly for me. So when you hear me say, I feel healing come to the room, I feel heat, and my left hand will start to pulsate. It don't do that, thank God, because I don't know what disease that'd be. But anyways, it gets what I'm praying. And there's times where, you know, I, I went to um, Victory out by Youngstown in Coitsville, and they had uh, the Bay of the Holy Spirit revival years ago. And I remember going there, and my hands were just going crazy. But, but I wasn't ministering. I'm like, why is this like this? And my buddy from Bethel Cleveland at the time, Kevin May, said, your body is interceding. The Spirit's groaning through you for what they're calling out. And I was like, duh. So, <laughs> so that doesn't mean that's going to happen to you. What it does mean is that there's different ways God's going to speak to each one of us, but he will speak through sensations. One of the most common thing is praying, stand up, Trent. I'm praying for Trent. Next thing I know, I get back pain. Now, for me, it's hard to discern because I have back pain, or I used to have back pain until I did DDPY. Thank you, Jesus. So if I'm sitting there and then my feet start hurting and they're not hurting, 
that could be a sensation telling me this is an area of focus for him. Does that make sense? Um, utterances. Pastor operates in a lot of this, where he's just going and his words just come out of his mouth. Boom. What? He'll like look, he'll look at you surprised, like, you know what I'm talking about? He'll look at you surprised, like, whoa, what was that? It just comes out of you. I operate at once in a while, but not very often. That's not my, my tendency. Okay, an unction or impression. How many of you just get that feeling? You're like, oh, I just got this feeling in here, and it's unction. Yep. Scriptures. Obviously, you got to clue those, right? So this is one I want to talk about too. Memory. Okay. These could be, listen, we're going to talk about this later because there's different levels of revelation. Sometimes the most simplest could be the most powerful. I had a buddy from Bethel named Joel. Come here, Trent, since you're here. This was his word almost every single time he ever prayed for me. He just comes up during worship and he'd be like, he'd be like, Brother Mike, I love you so much, man. I feel like the spirit all over you. I feel like God's saying he's going to put his glory all over you. And I'm like, okay, that's encouraging. I'll, I'll take more glory. But after he says it, like, the glory came on me. He said the same thing almost every time he prophesied over me. You know what? Had nothing to do with the words he used. It had everything to do with the connection it made with God. Jen had a impression one time, and I tell this all the time, at Bethel Cleveland, a prophetic team, we're young, and uh, we're in there, and me and this one guy, I think, we're like, this guy's like this tall, cowboy-looking guy with like a trench coat, and we're prophesying, you're called to business, God's going to bless your business, we're, we're trying to give these detailed words, and he's just like, mm-hmm, 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 and Jen's sitting there going, I'm like, you got something, give it, she's like, no, 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 I can't, oh yeah, I do, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. Well, she doesn't give it, so guess what happens? The other girl, there's like four of us, four or five of us, the other girl on the team just goes, I just feel like, I know it's real simple, and these guys are doing cool prophecies, but I just feel like to tell you, like, just Jesus loves you. This, like, six-foot-four dude just goes, <laughs> and hunched over and fell. I'm like, you son of a gun. I'm sitting here trying to get, you're called to the nations. And, it, like, you gave a, I could have said Jesus loves you. And Jen's like, that was my word. I shouldn't have gave it. I didn't get I was disobedient. I shouldn't have gave it. Literally, why? Why does it why is that important? Because in our minds, in the West world, we think the more the more detailed word is the most profound. It's not, it's the one that has the most powerful connection. So when you hear these types of words, how God speaks, don't judge it. You follow me? Don't judge it based off the simplicity of it, judge it based off the connection it brings. Amen. All right, so memory, a powerful one I had uh, within this last year. I got, I received the word in Florida from Prophet Rowland, and Mark Casso's here, and I kept thinking that word over and over and over and over again. And many of you saw, like, Mom and Jay and I got up, we prophesied some stuff, and then I said, the Lord keeps reminding me, and I feel like I need to prophesy this word to you, and you declare the word that I received in Florida. Now, some people are like, well, you're just repeating what someone said to you. Yeah, but the, it was a word of the Lord. It was a word of the Lord because you felt the fear of the Lord come in that room. In fact, I even questioned whether it's for me for a second because it was so powerful. When we said over Mark Casto, I, you're, you know what I'm talking about. I, I was like, I don't even know. Like, Lord, was I just like a semi-truck? Was I like the trans logistic company that carried that from Florida to Mark Casto when he needed it? 
I actually thought that. I was like, that word may not even be for me. He's like, no, knucklehead. You teach this stuff. I brought it back to remembrance for him. Cause, and I found out he needed it exactly what he's going through. The same word I got, okay? Which it is for me too because I'm living it right now. Amen? All right. So people, got to speak through people. We're living epistles, right? People could be prophetic words. Okay, actions. We talked about this, like prophetic acts, right? Tearing stuff, do stuff. We'll do that a little bit later. And there's also encounters. Um, I did get in a fight one time with someone on Facebook. I believe they're Baptist because I posted something and someone that used to go to the glory barn who excommunicated himself from the charismatic world, I guess, got all bitter and became Baptist and talked about how everything we do is demonic. And I used the word trance and they flipped their lid. Show me where that's in the Bible. I go, okay, it's the book of Acts. Got to, went, copy and paste it from Bible gateway. Here, Peter on the roof praying, went into a trance. I don't care what the Bible says. Well, case closed. I'm done talking to you. Whatever he said. Probably happened a little bit different. Just going off recollection. I'm like, you said where is it in the Bible. I showed you. Now you're mad about it. I don't know what your problem is. So you can't say it's demonic and unbiblical. You might, you might question whether or not I had it or whatever, but you can't question it. You can't say it's demonic. I mean, you can say whatever you want, but you can't, you can't say it's not in the book. It's in a book. I don't know what Bible you're reading, right? So um, trances, tran- how many know what a trance is? These are pretty uncommon, but they're really cool. If you do have, I've only had a handful in my life where you literally you get so engulfed in a vision it's like you're there. It's like you're, you can't, it's like Paul, you can't tell if you're there in spirit or what. It's like you, I have, when I hit those pockets at times, I, I go blank and I have no idea what's going on. One time I did right here and I'll stand next to Justin McCoon and I'm like, I turned, I woke up like out of it and I was staring at the camera like this, like all like jacked up like this. And I was like, what the heck's going on? And I look over and McCoon's next to me and I elbowed him. What are you doing? He's like, what? I'm like, Tell me I was all cockeyed like a weird broken chicken like, staring back at the freaking thing. I had no idea. He should have spun me around. He just looked at me and shook his head and laughed at me. Like, dang it, coon. Supposed to have my back. He's just like, whatever. <laughs> God can speak through encounters, angelic encounters, third heaven, face-to-face, light, smoke, all the good stuff. Now, here's the thing about angels. I want to I talk about this because... There's people that act like they frolic with angels every day in, in like La La Land. I wish that was the case. Probably not. What they're pro- I'm not saying that they're not encountering angels. What I'm saying is most of the time, I actually believe they're discerning angels in the room. 99.9% of, I believe, the encounters I had were actually discerning that's led to some sort of encounter. Like the one guy, uh, Marcus McFoyne is here. I was in the back room and I discerned an angel and I just learned through Prophet Ronald of those guys just to honor that. Like, honor you, sir. What's your name? Angelos. And I didn't, even, I didn't even like think about it. It actually means angel. I'm like, that dude, is that dude pulling a joke on me? I'm like, what are you here for, sir? Kind of thing. So like, it was not a face-to-face. It was like, I discerned it. I honored the moment and I heard and then it was over. It wasn't like this shepherd in the field thing to happen on Christmas. I wish it was, but I've had one of those. When you have a face-to-face encounter with an angel, I've had encounters with them in a dream, and it was intense, but I've had them, one I could say for sure was a face-to-face, 
Like, I think it was in a trance, but it looked like, I, literally, I wanted to hide under my own skin, like, get out. Like, I couldn't hide from my own body. There was so much fear of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, when the angels showed up, it wasn't like, hey, pal, how's it been? How's the kids' baseball team? It was like, before he even came and I saw his face, I was trembling on the ground, repenting, saying, I'm not holy, I'm not holy. Lord, don't kill me, don't kill me. I literally thought I was going to die. And it wasn't because God was going to kill me. It's because his holiness was so pure. And I wasn't like, I literally thought I was going to explode and freaking go right to hell. Cause I was just like, I've experienced tangible, real fear of the Lord. Not, Oh yeah. That's kind of scary to think. No, I'm talking. Yeah. And then when people say, what's well, not fear. I'm like, okay. Cause when I experienced that, that realness, it, I was terrified and hell seemed pretty real. So amen. Um, God speaks in different ways. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go into activation. So what I, I, I don't want you to freak out. Most of you have done this before. I'm going to stretch you. We're going to use some props. We're going to do some different things. Most of you have done that before. Some of you probably haven't. Um, God speaks. We're going to use different things and ask him to give us a word. Now, here's the big thing. It, all these are instruments of love, correct? So why is God going to prophesy through you? Because he's going to love the per he loves the person you're going to speak to. Okay? Right? And so that's why it's going to work. You're a beloved son. Everyone here, as far as I know, is filled with the Spirit or has been believing in Jesus for a long time. Okay? Even if you don't speak in tongues, most of you probably do. So we're going to do some activations. We're going to stir you up. Um, you will prophesy. I don't want you to get nervous. I don't care if you get a word. If you get one word. Okay? You say that word. There's times at Bethel, Cleveland, when I first got saved, I thought I was an awesome prophet. And I could prophesy. I went up there and I got a scared little girl, like 12 years old. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was getting mad. And I had these activation sheets. This is where I learned this from. And I and had, had these different pictures. One was a cute little duckling jumping in a little bowl of water. And I, I remember I went up to this guy named Milton, who's a dentist in Brunswick. And he's Greek, like pure Greek. He's, and he looks like Bert from Bert and Ernie. He's amazing. He's, I love him. He's amazing. He's such a soft, like gentle man, like that really kind of walked me through the prophetic. And so some of you experienced folk, I tell the story that way you could help those people that are ministering with you. He came up, I'm like scared, crapless. I'm like, this is freaking dumb. I thought I was a prophet. I can't even prophesy. And I got this stupid sheet in front of me and I don't want to do this. I want to go home, but I'm freaking stuck here. And so, and so if you ever felt that in this class, you're not, you're not in bad company. I've done it. Okay. That's why I enjoy being on this side to make you all feel that way enough. All right. <laughs> So I'm in there. I got this picture. I'm mad. All I, I was, all I had was this, this stupid picture of this little duck out of all the pictures on the sheet, this stupid little duckling in the pool. And I was like, this is freaking dumb. This sucks. I freaking suck. I hate this. I'm like, I'm mad. I'm literally like red in the face when I punch someone. That's how holy I was, right? So I get up, I'm up to him now as we're doing the like rapid fire lines. I get up to Milton. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I freaking suck. I literally say, I'm like, I freaking suck. I hate this. I'm, I freaking, all I got is this stupid duck. And I know it probably won't be freaking me. He goes, no, 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 no. It's okay. Let me explain something to you. And they're yelling, move, move, move. He, he took the time. He shut down. He goes, see those other two people before you? I said, yeah, they got the same thing. I'm like, Really? but I didn't get an interpretation. I still freaking suck. No, no, no. You didn't have to because she did. You're just confirming the first word, you and the one next to you. So thank you. You've encouraged me today. 
what? You mean I actually did come here, God? <laughs> next. Okay. Slide down the next person. Gentle hand. Okay. I got some swagger now. I saw a ducky jumping in a bowl of water. Woo! I prophesy over everyone in here. I saw a ducky. Throw this chair right now. So I don't care if you get a ducky. Half of you in the room are going to get a ducky at some point because I told this story. I don't care if you get a ducky. You say the one thing. You know what's funny about this? There's a guy, Kevin Dedman. You heard the word treasure hunt? He's the one that coined that whole phrase out of Bethel. He was ministering, and he says, checking the time real quick, and I swear we're going to start activations after this. He was at a conference, and he's walking by this dude, and he saw literally a chicken over their head. And he's like, oh, heck no. <laughs> Revival! He's like doing all this stuff. He's like, he walks by again. God's like, go to him. Tell him what you see. He's like, heck no, God. I didn't tell him. I'm go, what am I going to go to him and say chicken? So he's preaching in his mind. This is what he's saying. I'm just going to go up and go chicken. Like, what are you? He's like, the Lord's like, I said, go up there and tell him what you saw. He's like, I'm not doing it. I don't care. I'm not doing it. All right, Lord, I'm sorry. I know I have to be obedient, but like, that's the dumbest thing. I'm going to look like an idiot. And it's probably nothing. I'm probably not even hearing you right now. He said, I said, go up. He's like, fine. He goes up to this person and goes, chicken. This person jumped out of their seat. Gets laid out, crying, comes up to him after the service and goes, you have no idea, but I was going to end my life today. I have a gun in my car. I said, I'm giving you one more chance, God, to speak to me if you really love me. And I want the dumbest thing in the world, the, the man of God to say the dumbest thing I could think of and the dumbest thing I could think of that made no, absolutely no sense would be chicken. Have the, if you love me, have the man of God come up to me and say chicken or I'm going to end it tonight. Now take that to the prophetic all-star list. That may have been the best prophetic word that man's ever gave. What was the word? Chicken. I saw a ducky. Armin, you're going to see a ducky tonight. Come on. <laughs> going to get your swagger back. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Gate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.